Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Blix. This is Mark. This is Jonathan. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of doing it not just once, but 700 times. Yes. Yes. Until you go blind. Oh. I was going to say, that's something my wife would certainly appreciate. Wow. You going blind? Okay. (laughs) Either or. (laughs) Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Uh, This week we are celebrating our 700th podcast. And we have a number of guests. One is Peter Blix. Well, Peter Bryant, who goes by, who went by the name of Blix back in the day, uh, who was one of our uh, our original podcast hosts. And also uh, Mark Kinney. Uh, from the original All Games Considers, and now he's on a whole new podcast. So before we go any further, uh, why don't, uh, 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 Peter, why don't you go ahead and say what it is that you're doing now, and followed by Mark, and, and so we can bring everybody up to speed. Okay, so uh, I am, well, you know, other than my day job, which, you know, I'm not going to get into, uh, when it comes to gaming and that sort of thing, um, I'm working, I'm one of the partners at Solarian Games, and, um, you know, we, we have Top Secret, and uh, we just, matter of fact, we just released a uh, new Kickstarter, um, which already rewarded and everything, everybody's got their stuff, it's fan, it was, went really well, uh, and we're working on our next set of projects, but um, we're the, um, so you might have known us originally as uh, a TSR, so it would have been the TSR, let me think, TSR... Three or two, I don't know. Anyway, was, anyway, yeah. So then, um, uh, then it, it got changed over to the what people were calling new TSR. We decided to rebrand to Solarian, and it's been fantastic. Super. Okay, Mark. Okay, yeah. As you mentioned, I, I did all games considered for a long time, and was doing one called Armor Goes Clank for a bit. We still intend to do that, although we're on a bit of a hiatus at the, at the moment. I think we did one episode in the last year. So there's that, you know, podcasting woes that you you guys have managed to, to dodge, it would seem. And uh, I do have another thing with some other friends in the works, though, though I can't really say a whole lot about that yet, other than something's happening. But yeah, uh, 700 episodes is a huge achievement for podcasts in general, never mind gaming podcasts. So that's an awesome thing to, 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 to see. And I'm glad I've been able to drop in on a couple of occasions and uh, help be part of it. Right, because uh, you were the very first person, uh, one of the few who actually interviewed us when we started our podcast uh, mm-hmm. about what we were trying to do and you know what, what was it about. And you were also the one who interviewed me when we talked about Richard Taholka's death a number of years right. ago. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, uh, you know, so Mark has always, you know, I mean, I remember selling you supplements 
at uh, uh, Chattercon like twenty uh, years a, ago. <laughs> I wasn't that. I, I never made it to uh, to like Chattercon, so I don't know if that was me. Oh, it was but definitely I, you, and it was definitely Chattercon. But uh, oh, whatever, you don't have to. You don't have to admit it if you don't want to. So oh, yeah, <laughs> but, but I, I did definitely have the uh, ninety-two editions of Fringeworthy and uh, Bureau Thirteen. So right. I so I I I I, I I've been following all of that for ages. So yeah. Uh, so again, a 700 episode at our 600 episode, we kind of went and said, let's look back over 600 episodes and see what we talked about during all that. So we're not going to do that this time. Instead, we I have a list of questions that um, I wanted to go over. But before we get started there, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about you know, our, you know, in a sense, our gaming cred. Okay, because Peter just talked about some stuff. You know, th this uh, particular uh, podcast, uh, you know, and group has gotten people into some fairly major places, you know, in the gaming world. And I'm very proud of that. Uh, you know, John Ryer, who's one of our original podcast hosts, now has his own little gaming company. Uh, Peter went on, as you say, to Solarian. Uh, other people, um, uh, John, uh, uh, Tom was one of the few pe uh, people who did a Bureau 13 live action. You know, and then he's and he's done some other things too. So uh, on the on the more theatrical and, uh, but anyways, I'm just saying is that you know me, you know I've just basically been nose to the nose to the grindstone, running games and producing supplements and and essentially you know that stuff. You know, and uh, we've all managed to do this while earning a living. Doing something right. else entirely, which has been, you know, as, as I always say, I this it's the job I have, you know, which allows me to do things I really want to do with my life. So, anyways, so I th I thought we'd talk a little bit about our own, our own gaming cred, and I'm going to ask Trav to go last, only because his list is is probably very very preponderous. <laughs> so, you know, what I wanted to do was actually talk about, you know, at least initially say, what are games that we have run? Okay, you know, so we talk about things that we like, dislike, we, you know, what our opinions are actually based on. Um, so that you, you, our listener, has some idea, you know, who it is that, that you're actually listening to. So, um, you know, uh, so... I basically started in 1980, and I won't get into the story about how I actually got started, but the very first um, game I, I ran, I, I actually, uh, before I played, I ran, uh, and I, I was on a church retreat, and I got two girls to do uh, to make up characters in the basic D&D uh, &D box set that had this little Wizard's Tower adventure, you know, mm -hmm. and... Uh, we had Babington the dwarf, female dwarf, and we had, I can't remember the other girl's na character's name, but it was fun. And then I found out that there was a, like an advanced Dungeons & Dragons, and I was like, well, what am I doing with this? Throw it off over my shoulder and go go get the new books, you know. So um, I ran A&D &E first edition, which later on got kind of mutated by second edition. We didn't actually go to second edition, we just brought stuff in. Um, I tried to run Fringeworthy when it first came out, but I did a really bad job of it. Um, I, I just kind of like threw people into situations where they ended up getting into combat. And as a matter of fact, it always ended in combat. And uh, I pretty much scared people off. <laughs> just, 
didn't do a very good job. And I, cause I was, I was a very, I mean, I'd never, you know, I was just learning how to run games at those days. Uh, there was a game that, uh, I thought was really cool. Uh, it was called Element Masters, and it never had a wide run, but it was the very first game where everybody had magical powers. So even the, the, the least of the proto-humans or demi-humans, they had some spells they could cast. Just It might be nothing more than just, boom, fire, you know, fireplace lights up, you know, but you had some power, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. Then I started running Bureau 13, uh, for, and uh, I tried... Uh, and that ran for quite a while, very successfully. Uh, then I ran Fringeworthy again uh, uh, with uh, the main character being Dr. Peter Davidson, uh, who was a Doctor Who clone. And, hit, and it was basically this kid you know, who had all his friends, and they all came in so they could play basically companions to Doctor Who in my Fringeworthy game, you know, which was fine until I basically uh, did something he didn't like, and he left the game, and all his friends went with him, and I didn't have a game anymore. Uh, then I, uh, I, I ran Fringeworth, uh, I'm sorry, FTL 2448, another track. Mostly I was, uh, I was running a lot of tri-tag games. Uh, I ran Incursion after that, um, uh, also a tri-tag game. And then we, uh, you know, the, the big, uh, then Wizards, you know, basically dropped the bomb in the middle of RPG gaming and almost took out tabletop RPG gaming. And they came out with the third edition of D&D. Which uh, my son Eric got to play a dragon because Savvy Species, the supplement, had come out and let people oh, yeah. play as 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 non-humans and not demi-humans as they had before, which I thought was a huge benefit to the game. Okay, um, I also ran Hero System, uh, and uh, the next step after that was I was running was we did the D twenty uh, versions of Bureau Thirteen. Uh, which I, I did the first pass at it before it was, you know, uh, I handed it off to Richard and Richard gave it to Trav to actually complete, and which he did. Uh, we, and the, the, the D20 edition we have now. I also did the Fringeworthy uh, D20 Modern Edition. Uh, played D&D 4th Edition, ran it for a short period of time until everyone said, ah, what is this? And uh, <laughs> and then now I'm playing 5th Edition. Um but I, uh, but again, more tri-tag games. Hardwire Hinterlands I ran. Weird Zone I ran, which if you've never heard of it, it's basically your house goes traveling through the dimensions. Uh, then we transitioned to Bureau 13 Savage Worlds and also Fringeworthy Savage Worlds. So, you know, that's... Uh, those are the games I've run, you know. And yeah, it's very tri-tag heavy, but that was what my focus was. Uh, but other game systems I've actually played in uh, or uh, a run was Gamma World, uh, Cyberspace. Uh, I actually played Star Trek, the role-playing game, second edition, uh, the FASA 1985 edition, but oh, I played wow. it like five years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. For the first time, okay. Uh, um, and uh, and my go-to for uh, uh, convention running uh, uh, things at conventions now is the Fallout paper and pencil version 2.0 that was based upon the rule system in the actual Fallout computer game, sec the second one, the, the Fallout 2. So that's, uh, and, uh, and we're not going to talk about all the, you know, we I also did things like, uh, you know, I, I 
we had two huge newsletters. One was called Terror Watch, which I helped edit and and, and submitted stuff to, and uh, Infinite Crossroads, which was the fringe newsletter that I pretty much did everything for that, you know. And so, uh, not to mention the computerized character generators and Tritech systems utilities, over you know. But that's what I've been doing. Not to mention the 13 years of podcasting. <laughs> so, uh, and that's my cred as far as, you know, being uh, why I think people should expect me to know what I'm talking about. So, uh, moving on, who else, who wants to volunteer as, uh, as what else they've been doing? I'll volunteer as, as tribute. Thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, well, um, I've been gaming since about 82 or 83. And I'm going to hit the highlights here because if I tried naming every single thing that I've ever tried, thanks to doing, you know, the, the podcasting stuff and everything else, we'll be here all night just for that. Yeah. Uh, but def I've, def I've definitely gone through most of the iterations of D&D, uh, either running or playing. Um, I got introduced to uh, Palladium systems like, uh, you know, uh, from through like Robotech and especially Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. Yep. Um, a friend of mine in in middle school and then on through high school, he had the or, or, or original black box traveler. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So, and in my attempt to ask my parents for that for Christmas so that I would also have it, they gave me Star Frontiers, which I ran a lot of. Oh. Um, so I've been a huge fan of, of that. Uh, we played a lot of uh, the or, or original Phase Rip Marvel superheroes, and I also really enjoyed running the uh, saga system card game version. Uh, the Mar uh, I think it was also called Marvel Superheroes. I don't remember the the the, the precise names. That they were both TSR iterations of the game. Um, I've done a lot of other. Th of, um, Legend of the Five Rings was something I ran for a good long while. Um, got into Savage Worlds and Fate and a number of other things doing uh, various settings, including Fringeworthy as far as Savage Worlds goes. And I kind of came back around with Traveler um, as far as the, 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 the system goes. I've been getting more into the more recent versions of, of that recently, but I've also used Cepheus Engine in a uh, recent attempt at a Fringeworthy campaign that is probably getting restarted here next week. And it's been interesting trying to work out all the details there. Um, I've done some mutants and mastermind stuff. I've written for a, a few things uh, like feng shui, which is another one I, I've played and run a lot of. Oh, okay. Some unisystem games like all flesh must be eaten and witchcraft. And uh, of course I also wrote something for Godsend agenda, which is sort of a, at least that iteration was very much a superheroes with a ancient aliens kind of vibe to it. Um, so, you know, all the, the D6 stuff, and that reminds me of various versions of Star Wars also. I've done both the D6 Star Wars and D20 Star Wars in various forms. And that covers most of the highlights. Cool. Well, that sounds great. How about you, Peter? Oh, my God. So I started in 1980. Uh, my brother came home from college in 79, and he had been playing this game, and he told me all about it. And then 
the next year, <clears throat> I had moved from Florida up to up to Baltimore, and I was walking past the library, the, the local library, and uh, they had a and d group, and I was like, oh, I remember him talking about that. So I went and started playing, and then, you know, from then on, I, I never I never stopped. Um, and so I've, uh, what's interesting is I've had the same gaming group um, for the most part, a few few additions, few people leaving, but three of us, there's me, John, and Steve, uh, have been playing together since, I want to say since about 84, um, until now, wow. um, we're still gaming. We've still got our weekly gaming group and there, there have been a few hiatuses a little bit here and there, but as a whole, for the most part, we've had a weekly gaming group since about 1984. Um, and mostly all the same, mostly the same people. You're so lucky because, you know, I started, you know, when I started, I was at uh, Marshall University. And so every four years, whole new set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's been really cool. Um, but yeah, I've played every game that's been mentioned so far, except for that one Bruce that you had mentioned that was really obscure. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but. I never, I never even heard of that one. Element Masters. Yeah. Element yeah. Masters. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Never heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it. But I mean, I sold it because I said somebody out there must have a collection they have a hole in, <laughs> and this is probably it. <laughs> like, like all those, you know, D and D champions, Team and T, Robotech, Frenchworthy, Cyberpunk, Vampire, um, Seven C, Savage Worlds, Fate. Um, but to, to add a few that. Um, and more and more and more and more. But to add a few that, that some of you may not have heard of, but are excellent games, really enjoyed them. Uh, one of them is this game called Immortal. And it came out somewhere around the same time as Vampire, but it was, and, and it had sort of the same kind of feel, but you were playing these like, these immortal beings, hence the name. But but it was very interesting. It was really different. Um, you had been on Earth for, since before mankind had uh, appeared um and and you were these really wild like immortal beings that that had all these different i, I don't know it's too much to get into it book had its own lexicon let's put it that way mm -hmm. um i i know which one you're talking about and in those days everybody was trying to come up with a different word is like okay mm -hmm. you know, get mm -hmm. your thesaurus out because mm -hmm. what exactly is alacrity again <laughs> yeah right right you know, they had things in it like Immaculum and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, I don't know, just all this. It was it was actually really cool. I actually really liked that system. I liked that game a lot. But, you know, another one was um, we like the BTRC system a lot, um, which mm. is Blackbird Technical Research Center. They're yes. down in Blacksburg, uh, West Virginia, and they have. Didn't they do Millennium? Yeah, they did Millennium. Well, no, they didn't do Millenniums in, but they were connected with the guys who did kind of like. You know, like you'll have sometimes you'll have these bands and like they swap members and stuff. And yeah, it's really kind of the same band that kind of evolves and stuff. So, yeah, they, they did Millennium. They were part of the Millennium Zen crew, but they did like Time Lords and um, uh, EBA and all be all was a system they had and uh, a couple others. Yeah. But super crunchy. I mean, we're talking like uh, Phoenix Command level or stuff. Sorry. Right. Stuff sometimes. Um so anyway, yeah, yeah, lots of lots of campaigns, and we've run a bunch, and I've run some, and I've played in some, and you know, it's just uh, I'm usually the player, but I have run I've run a couple campaigns in my lifetime, um, but yeah, then then I got I started creating my own stuff. So 
I guess about three years after I started role playing, I started making my first game and I made a ton of them and most of them sucked. Cause you know, I was like 14, 13. Um, and you know, but it was cool. My friends would, would, you know, they would play my games with me. Um, but then I actually started really getting kind of serious and I started doing work, uh, with other gaming companies. Um, this guy, Jay Libby runs Dilly green bean games. And, um, I did some artwork for him for G core. Uh, I did his, uh, his book cover. Um, same thing with pulp error. Um, a friend, uh, James Carpio did that. He's also one of the partners of Solarian. Um, then I did some work with fusion and, uh, worked with, um, uh, the, not this version of cyberpunk and not the original cyberpunk that, that weird in between one, that 23 X or whatever the hell it was called. Um, I did a bunch of artwork for that. Um, I did the cover for the fringe worthy D 20 game, um, artwork for that. And then, uh, and some of the stuff that went inside. Um, and then, and then I started working with TriTac or not TriTac. I did some work for TriTac, but I mean, I did. Um, but then I started working with, at the time was TSR, the, the rebirth of TSR at the time. Um, you know, helping them with uh, some of the top secret stuff. Uh, I was running their podcast network. Um, and then, you know, things changed uh, the, because everybody who was involved with the old TSR crew had left. We, we were thinking about rebranding, and then there was like a whole name change thing. And then we were like, you know what? That's it. We're not even going to fight it. Let's just rebrand. So we did. Um, and so now I work, you know, solely with uh, Solarian, um, you know, putting out like Top Secret. And we've got a bunch of new games that are on the cusp of coming out. Uh, a couple card games and um, a couple other really cool, cool projects that we're coming out with. My, well, the one I'm working on right now is, uh, is really awesome. It's called More Blood. And, it, and it's spelled M-O-A-R, Mower Blood. And it's a, it's a skirmish game. So it's a hybrid. It's, it's kind of like half board game, half role playing game. And you basically go in an arena and fight each other to the death. It's um, that, that's a lot of fun. I run it at conventions a lot and it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, so I've done artwork, writing, design, all of it. You, uh, I'm doing, now I'm doing a lot of logistics behind the scenes stuff that nobody ever really hears about or cares about when it comes to gaming companies. Like, our warehouse and supply lines and, you know, uh, making sure that we're making money and not losing money and you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, mopping the floor, mopping the floor. Yeah, sure. Sure. So I do that too. I mean, I also write and do artwork and stuff like that, but you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. That's like probably more than 50% of what game companies do. Cool. Jonathan. Oh, well, uh, I had to actually do some math in my head to figure this out. I think I've, Pretty sure I started in 1990 with the um, the classic uh, red box of D and D, um, and quickly graduated to AD and D Second Edition after that. Um, and then it was probably not too many, too much longer after that that uh, I encountered this incredibly strange man at Atlanta Fantasy Fair who was running Bureau Thirteen. And play it that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I blame you. <laughs> Incredibly strange man, wearing a bright orange T-shirt, saying, "Chaos erupts. Bureau thirteen is yep. there." Um, and yeah, that's how I got introduced to to Bureau thirteen, and then later, uh, Fringe Worthy, 
Um, and, uh, those were my mainstays pretty much throughout, um, high school and college. Although I did pick up third edition AD and D and play around with that a little bit. And I, I've, I had touched, uh, shadow run, um, and, uh, mech warrior as an extension of our BattleTech game. Uh, so a lot of the FASA stuff. Um, but yeah, after that, I kind of, I've, I've branched on and, I've played in GURPS. I've I've played uh, most recently as Cortex. But the main thing I did after college was I ended up becoming artistic director for um, Handmade Games, which ran the Dark Confrontation live-action role-playing game at DragonCon every year. Nice. And so I got to put together all the costumes and the props and the set pieces because... You know, even though it's uh, it was a salon LARP, and you know, didn't really require a lot of extras. We we went extra, we went so extra. <laughs> um, but then again, our players did too, so it it, it worked out for us. <laughs> so we ran that until pretty much everybody in the company started going off their separate ways to you know get real jobs with companies like Harrah's and Caesars and the U S Navy. So, uh, <laughs> after that, um, I kind of came back, came back home and that's when I started, uh, getting more into community theater and then also designing my own board and card games. And then doing this also for like, Oh God, how, how long have I been doing this? Uh, five years. I think you've been now because technically, this episode is also our season 15 opener. Oh, yeah. A little late, but yeah, we, yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. Five years already. Wow. They grow so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I went there. Yeah, his, his, his kids are, are, are going to start lapping us. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's uh, got that whole father of three thing going, too. Man. Yeah, well, that's, that's always yeah. fun. Well, yeah, we all we all have. I mean, all of us, uh, except maybe Mark, I, I, unless you you didn't mention this, uh, uh, have had kids. No, I, <laughs> um, I, at I, least one. I had one. You know, I have nieces. Uh, three for Jonathan, one one for Trav, and uh, Peter has one. I have right? one. Yep. Yeah. So we've all we've all had to not just juggle our our uh, married relationship and our uh, our our job and our uh, child rearing and still keep, you know, loving on these games. Yeah. Try my, my kids are about old enough now where they're, Oh yeah. They, I have been playing amazing tales with them, which has been okay, but it's, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to get them into something a little bit more meatier. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So Travi, I think you're up. Okay. I started with the red box pretty much like all of us did. Um, then I lent it to a friend and never got it back. And that was, you know, 40 years ago. So yeah, that was, yeah. Thanks a lot, Tim Taylor. Anyways. Um, yes. That what is that was his name. We're not talking about the tool man here. Um, so from that, you know, a few years. So, t Oh God, D and D red box. That was, I was still junior high. No elementary school. Early 80s, maybe even late 70s I started. 
And then there was a hiatus. Okay, I didn't do it for a while. I had the D&D books, but it's like, oh, I'll make maps on graph paper and practice making characters. I didn't start gaming full bore again until 1988. And that's when I met the original gaming group that we had. And we've all been friends now for 35 years. And sadly, three of them have passed away. And so, like, one of them was my my first best man. So that's how long we've all known each other. And we've all done our various things now. We skipped second edition entirely. We never touched second edition. Oh, God, we did. Marvel superheroes, a little bit of DC heroes from Mayfair. The Palladium system, Robotech, Heroes, a little bit of Beyond the Supernatural, I think. Turtles, I think, was a little bit. We we tried dabbling in the storyteller, the mage and vampire, and after a while, everybody just, I don't know. And so that um, hero system. Oh, God, we had a huge hero system campaign um back when it was still just the three books before they got into champions four and the fifth edition fifth edition expanded and i think we finally started getting into 5e and then started doing other things oh god what else um trying to remember all the game systems i've been through yeah it 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 gets to be after a while (laughs) but you know if you just limit it to the ones you've actually run or the ones you played for an extended period because you know we've all touched on other games many many times okay uh, so let's see yeah then you know the whole starting a family and all that and you know like i said before we started mine's now 30 um that was just oh god is this tomorrow will be two weeks ago jeez um, then I really got into, and of course, TriTac. Um, my first wife, first, you know, first ex-wife now, so Shelly's mother, thought, saw Rich's table there. I want to say it's Confusion 93. Got me an autographed copy of Incursion. And then just that got, that was where I wrote the 40-question letter on like four or five pieces of line notebook paper. Mailed it to Rich at his old house in Pontiac. Some of the questions got answered, but mainly it was this envelope full of all the stuff that never made it in the books. Like, oh, here's pictures of the races and here's the plans for the Kansas uh, Star Cruiser and all that stuff. And I fell in love with just the concept because I started realizing, wait a minute, this stuff's connected. Like, I'm real. Richard knew a fan when he saw one. I ended up, you know, meeting Rich and at cons, I'd either help him set up or break down the display, you know, at at cons like Confusion and later PenguinCon. Yomacon, I think, was for a while. And my real blossoming is when the whole 3.0 OGL bursts. And I've been through 3.0, 3.5, D20 Modern, and I'm now firmly entrenched in Pathfinder 1E. But yeah, oh God. yeah, no, no, I'm well. Oh, oh bless you, sir. Hey, Trav, Trav, yeah. can I ask you a question? I mean, yeah. just being that you're mentioning, like, because you're the first person to really talk about, like, you know, playing the first one of us talking about playing, like, you know, uh, still playing like D and D type in that that setting. Um, it, it's it's interesting because I left D and D probably in '83. Three, I want to say, and never ever went back. Well, I, I I don't do fantasy all that much, or if I do, I have to have some tech or something weird or something, and it, yeah. it's stuff stuff where I grab all over. Yeah, fantasy games I do very rarely. 
Yeah, I do D&D 5th edition, Peter. I mean, again, I'm not casting any shade on D&D at all. It's no, just not, no, no. It's just not my bag, right? It's yeah, the, same here, yeah. It's not what I enjoy. Um, but but I'm fine, you know, like I have nothing against it whatsoever. It's just interesting. Um, I, I just want to, because not everybody else, most, like, you're the only one that kind of really mentioned it. And Bruce, you just mentioned it. Um, so, so let me ask, um, just real quick, and then just because it, it's interesting to me about the whole, like, D&D phenomenon, um, you know, has... has uh, you know, Mark and and John, do you guys still play D and D at all? Oh, let me. I'll 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 jump in here. I'm actually the group that was the gutter skypes in our current format. We're we've got uh, one of the guys running a five E game for us right now. Okay. And I and like I mentioned at the at the at the beginning of mine, I've kind of played at each of the iterations at least once. If if I didn't have a chance to do a full campaign of some kind. Oh, I've I've tried each version. Like so, I've tried three. I tried four. I tried five, um, but I just it did just didn't take. Yeah. yeah, I I I well because with three e three o d twenty modern and Pathfinder, what it's all OGL and technically with the conversion guide that Skip Williams and Jonathan Tweet made when three e came out, you can convert second edition stuff. So mm-hmm. and again, folders upon folders on my laptop. I've got a lot of stuff to draw from, from like, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But mm-hmm. I remember, oh, God, this was early 2000s. Uh, Rich asked me to head up the Bureau 13 project. And, of course, yeah, I was a fan of it. But I'm like, I, uh, what, excuse me? And mm-hmm. I, I'm sitting there and Rich and I were talking at some con. And I, I, I'm like, you have artists and graphic writers and technical writers and, and you know, why me? And he goes, because you love these games. Right. Yeah. And just that. Okay. And I mean, I had my slow spots and finally I got, you know, one good kick in the pants and it got started and, you know, finally wrapped it up. And then what? Oh, seven, oh, eight that came out. Yeah. And just. I think my most surreal moment about all of it is that one of the gamers I had uh, at, at repeated cons and it was a campaign. We just meet up, you know, like two or three times a year at the con and be in my hotel. Okay, we'll run the game. Uh, Carl, he goes, can you autograph the CD? The most surreal, out of everything I've done as Trav, as, you know, role-playing and my internet radio show. Oh, yeah, I also do this little internet radio comedy music show been you know, past 18 years, Michigan's longest-running radio, internet radio DJ. But that, 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 you know, that, that, that. Um, but yeah, that that was just so surreal. That I mean, this guy knew me. It's not like this was somebody who just bought the the CD and realized I was at the con. This was somebody I've known now for quite some time, and I've known his aunt Liz even longer. We all know his lizard. But autographing the CD, okay, and it was just a blink blink moment. And now I'm running four separate biweekly alternating campaigns. So this would be. This would be my Friday, Sunday week. So I have a game coming up in two days and then the following Sunday after. Next, well, it's Thanksgiving, but it would be a Thursday, Saturday week next week. It's just next Thursday is Thanksgiving, obviously no game. I'm not having people roll over out of food coma to roll initiative. Hmm. Um, so I do that. And also I've done a little something on the side, and this is nothing to disrespect the work that I've been doing here now for the past 14 years. Uh, I'm now a Twitch content provider and I call it Uncle Trav's campaign notes. 
Oh, that's and cool. It's a lot more off the cuff. It's a lot more anecdotal. And I'm dealing with the people in the Twitch chat, which, of course, my girlfriend, Jennifer Fur, you know, she's been on the podcast here a few times. And my other gamers, Jeff DeRef, Professor Pixie's husband, and Breakman Z, soon to be Professor Pixie's uh, stepfather. So we're, they're all bannering with me back and forth and messing with me while I'm talking about my personal experiences and the games I run and ideas I've had over the years. And as I said, it, it's sort of kind of a mixture between this and how much more off the cuff I can be on my show. Now, the show, for those of you who don't know, and I'm surprised by now, because I don't think Mark knows about it. Um, mm. There is a internet radio station called DementiaRadio.org, and it is, Dementia is the comedy genre, like, you know, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer and that type of stuff. And Dr. Demento, Barry Hansen, who I met back in 2014, the, the genre was named after him. And the station was co-created by Bill Putt and Terry Ulinsky. Bill Putt I've known for 25 years. He's up here at local cons. And so... Yeah, I sat, and it's funny because I, um, Bill had a house up in Lake Orion. His now sadly late friend, John Matthews, is there. Me, an old girlfriend, my old roommate, drove up there, sat on the show, and within a year, uh, Boxing Day 2005, December 26, I started the Travcast, part three of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association. This Boxing Day, which is a Tuesday, will be my 18th anniversary doing the show. So, and I've checked, I am Michigan's longest running internet radio DJ. So awesome. kind, kind of a, yeah, yeah. I, and I've looked, I haven't found any, I mean, I know a few others. Oh, my show went for seven years and this one for five, 18. My show is now old enough to vote. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm doing the weekly show. I do this bi-weekly podcast, which this is another one of the facets of my life. If this were to end, I don't know what I would do. Monday nights when my tech isn't glitching out on me for some reason, I'm doing the campaign notes thing. Plus running four bi-weekly, alternating bi-weekly campaigns. Plus full-time job. Plus, well, relationships and other dynamics. We'll put it that way. Mark knows of what I speak. We spoke mm -hmm. about it when I saw each other at a uh, Gen, Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. You said you were going to, some about Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I gave you advice on that. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, okay. You remember so, yeah, uh, me being as busy I am, and I got to sit there, oh, crap, I have to actually plan all these games, too? Oh, God, yeah. And, you know, the holidays are coming up, so I'm going to, you know, it's like, oh, you know, bi-weekly. It means we've been gone for a month. I'm having to, you know, and I've got Facebook chats for all four, you know, Thursday game, Friday game, Saturday game, Sunday game. Oh, crap, what did we do a month ago? I've been busy. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I've been. And also, actually, I did help a little bit on Fringeworthy D20. Bruce ran that project. I ran, and so he and I were kind of working for each other. <laughs> this is part of the projects for Rich, and just one one day that just hit me. I'm like, what? yeah, it was always a group effort, yeah, yeah. you know, for most of the projects that you know. Only the later games, well, we got to see the early versions of it make a lot of um, make a lot of input. Yeah, uh, the later ones we basically just. Um, uh, spell checked and, yeah. and and then reviewed uh and made suggestions on the podcast i've wanted uh, and i still have run well one palladium campaign a few years back but just my group is just used to ogl and they're now start i've had oh god 
Did you have to ref the start a campaign? And there was just various things. That Z ran Pathfinder Rise of the Rune Lords for a little bit. My Sunday gamer, Amber Allen, just started her first GMing this Monday on a one-shot with her household. Um, trying to remember who else has, start, has been GMing, and I can say it's because of my influence, for better or worse. I think it's been those three. Uh, Gygax said that the normal progression of any gamer is first to be a player, then to be a GM, and then to get together with other GMs and have a gaming convention. Uh, so I'm two out of three. Hey, 667 in baseball, that's a pretty good average. Um, yeah. Your your show on Dementia Radio, I think it's, it's interesting that, you know, you, you say it's it's old enough to, to vote. And knowing your show, I'm a little concerned about what happens when it's old enough to drink. Oh, no, it's a, well, then I would be sad that my show's drinking illegally because it's more often or not, there's a glass of something next to me and it's not, you know, like tonight water. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then I want to move on to basically the, the questions that I have actually designed for this, this particular session. And the very first question I want to ask uh, is, it seems like all of us here have been game masters at one point or another. So I would like to say that, um, so ask Mark and everybody else, uh, for, uh, but Mark first, uh, what was the impetus that actually got you to be a game master the very first time? Uh, mostly it was the excitement of getting a hold of Star Frontiers. That, that was the first thing that I ever ran. Uh, and basically the, the, the friend of mine who had Traveler and I basically would switch back and forth GMing our respective games for a, a, a while during lunch times at, at, at school and that. And so that's just how I got into that part of it. And, you know, I wasn't very good at it at the time because I was, oh, what, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, none of us were good at that. No, beginning. no. <laughs> but it was it, it was it it was still fun, and it kind of scratched that creative itch. I could kind of just make things up, or uh, as I tended to to do, steal liberally from whatever media I was experiencing at the at the the time. So I had, yeah, I had like, yeah, this is this is Star Frontiers, but you've got Remo Williams and Chun running around. So because your friend was running for you, you decided that you wanted to run something for him? Well, it wasn't so much that. It was it, that specifically. It was just that I, I wanted to get a hold of the Traveler game. And then when I got Star Frontiers instead, you know, I decided, you know, I, I offered to kind of run some stuff with, with that. And we just ended up switching back and forth until I uh, found some other local gamers and kind of started branching out that way. How about you, Peter? Um. So... Yeah, my uh, my desire to to GM came about because I was playing at the library with this group of uh, of other kids, but they were all older than me. I was the youngest, so you know, I sh I showed up. I was ten years old, and um, everybody else there was at least three years older than me. You know, th these were all kids that were in in I guess in various stages of high school, and here I am, you know, this junior, like not even junior high school no i was in elementary school and i was a little guy right so so i didn't even really i didn't really get my growth spurt until i hit high school so they used to like you know i mean i got kind of treated like the young kid there and and, and i did have fun but i always wound up you know if, if there was a trap i was the one that wound up getting hit with it if there was a cursed item i was the wound up one that wound up with it um 
so I decided to go and, and form my own group. And, but to do that, I had to get convinced the people around me, my friends around me to play. And the best way to do that is to run games for them. So I was the game master for quite a while in the first, you know, first, let's say first three or four years I was playing, you know, I, I ran games for everybody. And then I had other friends who were interested in doing game mastering and I liked playing. So, um, so I, I easily transitioned to be a more of a player than a game master. Uh, again, like I said before, I, I run games from time to time, but I'm mostly a player. Okay. Uh, Jonathan? I got started uh, GMing because I was the one who bought the books. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much where it came in. I, um, When I first got a hold of that red, that red box... I, I, it was my red box. I had bought it, so I was the the DM because I had, was the one who owned the books and uh, the dice and everything. Um, and it pretty much just kept with it ever since. I I pretty much GM now, and I rarely actually play in in games at at all anymore. I think that's why I do theater now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, for me, it was strictly the the fact that I was the one who owned the books. I was the one who was always buying the books and bringing them home and showing them to my friends and saying, "Hey, let's play this." So you that's that's a, a very good reason to become a, a GM, you know. And I'm sure your friends said, "Oh, okay, he now we don't have to buy the books <laughs> because he's got yeah, them." He's, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, a few of them it would end up buying their own books and running their own campaigns without me, but. Did they actually buy the books or did they just run to the photocopier? As far as I know, they bought the book because they didn't, they didn't get the photocopies from me. Yeah, there was an awful lot of photocopying happening at college campuses in those days. And, and some people actually uh, uh, typed the entire contents uh, of stuff you know, or put the pictures as, as uh, online and, and had the printed out on the student you know, printers, you know, it's one of the, one of the perks of being a, uh, uh, you know, what they call them, a, a teacher's assistant in the, in the computer labs is, is that you could uh, run whatever programs you wanted, you know, at late at night when nobody was there. I was never that person, by the way, I'm not talking, telling on myself. <laughs> I, I, I did work the computer lab at the library when college, so, ah. <laughs> but I never did that. All right. Well, Trav? No, Jonathan, you're just glad that, oh, oh, good, the Statue of Limitations is over. (laughs) That's right. Statues of Limitations. Oh, God, no, me? I was a player for quite some time, but I started dabbling in GMing 90, 91. And so a couple years, it just uh, gravitated to me. I mean, my one friend, Jerry Gentry, usually ran, but there was this person or that person didn't like what was going on. And I just started going, okay, I'll try. And of course it was the goofy GMing where we, you know, all the mistakes were made. How I am now is due to all those mistakes back then. And obviously when Shelly was born, you know, not a lot of gaming going on. And then I started getting back into it later down years later. And I was having Saturday night games here in my living room. And 
Jerry and his now longtime girlfriend, Carrie Springer, were here along with Eric the Enabler. We had Eric Spar on here years ago. And just all of a sudden I realized in the middle, you know, before the game, I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. I prefer GMing. And so it was a Pathfinder game. It was heading to the Dragon. So you're going to the, the, the cap of the world, if you know the Galarian setting. And on the way there, my my alchemist gunslinger got caught by a cockatrice and was turned to stone. And that was my final act as a full-time player. And then I found out later, yeah, we sold your statue. It was a wonderful sculpture. I'm like, you sons. <laughs> so it, <laughs> these are the people I hang out with, and there's a reason why some of them I don't hang out with anymore. Um, but yeah, GMing, no, it's just... I started, you know, okay, yeah, I had a Friday night game and then a Sunday. And now it's, I'm at my limit, the four campaigns. But especially during the pandemic, as I said, my girlfriend, Jennifer, for, we're sitting here in the living room. It's like maybe 2021, 20, 2012. And she knew I was missing having people here in my living room because everything was Skype or Discord, which I've gotten really good at doing the virtual gaming since. And she's sitting, well, it'd be across from where I'm sitting now. And she goes, you miss it, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I miss it. I miss having people around, but I also don't want to get sick. And she goes, yeah, it's because you just don't GM, dear. You perform. And just had that look like, deny it. <laughs> I, I couldn't deny. No, I do. I will sit there and put the hands on the tables and, you know, curve the neck like if I'm a dragon or whatever and get in somebody's face or affect voices or whatever. And just, no, she had me dead to rights. And so, yeah, I think I may have played. Usually the only games I've played in that I can recall are the ones for that I went to at Gen Con. You know, oh, I'm you know playing this game or this game here, but then, you know, running the games that I did. So, yeah, I think the last time I played in a game was 2015. I'm full-time GM now. And I tried playing. In you, you mean uh, an ongoing campaign? Yeah, yeah. I just because you you played in the demo we did yeah, of, of Fallout yeah. PNP. But uh, also, I tried playing in the fringeworthy Skyrim campaign that Jeff DeRef made. Now he and I and Pixie we researched the heck out of this, and they know Skyrim far better than I do. They've played the games. Jeff's got maps of Skyrim and Tamriel on his walls and his trailer and everything. And I tried sitting down and playing. And it's when a GM tries to to run with another GM and just I just sit on my hands and I was constantly saying, okay, try this, do this. And I came to the realization, no, Jeff has to learn how to GM organically. He cannot be using my rules that I've used that he, he plays by. He has to find what rules works for him. So I dropped out of that campaign, made a spinoff game. That original game, and now Jeff's with the character that he had in that back in the spinoff game. So yeah, I just found out I can't play anymore, and I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a control thing, of course. You know, first busting my job. Yeah, it's a control thing. Settle down. And just yeah, I I have to GM because I like the creative impulses flowing for an entire world. All right. Well, for me, it was kind of a reaction. Um, I had uh, started playing D anD. d Everything I read about it was this, like, you know, it was going to be this high fantasy, swords and sorcery, you know, just, you know, like the stories and stuff like that. And I was looking forward to playing a very, you know, chivalrous uh, and, um, you know, knights kind of, kind of, kind of campaign or something like that. And 
uh, I think it would be fair to say that uh, the people that was associated with the uh, uh, Marshall University Science Fiction Society were massive power gamers. Ah. And so, uh, you know, it didn't matter what character I, uh, I, I had, they, they, they all were like 10 levels above me. So it was kind of, you know, and I did the best I could to play, but they were, you know, it was always like, you know, come in, you know, uh, kill the monster, take the treasure, move on, wash and repeat, you know, and I just didn't get that sense of drama, that sense of, of um, you know, the, the, what I was looking for, you know, the, the uh, heroic fantasy aspect of it. It was all very gritty and, and uh, kind of anti-hero-ish. Um, so, uh, and it came to a culmination when, uh, uh, when basically I was invited to a game is a new startup campaign. And uh, by the, at the end of this, of the session, uh, my character had been, um, uh, turned into a brick and the brick was broken. So I couldn't, I couldn't be brought back. And I just said, why am I gaming with you people? And I proceeded to go and start my own campaign with a bunch of kids from a local high school. And because then I said, if I'm the GM, I can run the kind of campaign I want to run. I can have, present them with the situations I want to present them with, you know, where they can make moral decisions, where they can do things that, you know, are, are heroic fantasy. And, and so I did for like four years. And uh, and then when but and during that time I uh, I met Richard Tohoka Tritag Games and I and I saw and I, I learned that the basically the game the game philosophy of all of Richard's role playing games was people get experience for doing good things and making the world a better place and it isn't for combat and it isn't for treasure and and I and I said this this feels very comfortable to me which is one of the reasons why I've been with Tritag all these years. So, but that was my impetus was the fact that I basically couldn't find the kind of game I wanted to play in, is because back then D and D was pretty much the major game that was being played. So, okay, so uh, and so because uh, of that question, I'm going to bring up the next question, which is, of all the campaigns you guys have run, which one do you think is was for you? Okay. And your players was the most satisfying. Which which do you point out saying that was my most successful campaign? Um, I can go first because I thought about this a lot. Yeah, because that's one I know you guys might want to have to think about it. But yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I've thought about this, and um, and, and my the, the best campaign I ever ran, uh, and it was a re it was a fairly recent one. Um. I prepared for now. Now this is not for everybody because you got to you got to prepare and you also got to remember it's something I I haven't mentioned uh, yet in our discussion is that um, uh, I I've written a, a novel. I haven't actually finished oh, the last yeah. bit of it, but it's mostly done. Um, and, and, but I've also written a bunch of short stories too. So you know I, I, I fancy myself as somewhat of a writer. Um, and of course, all the games that I've written in settings and all that stuff, but whatever. I'm talking like fictional storytelling. So I, I kind of fancy myself as a bit of a storyteller. So I decided I wanted to run a campaign for the guys, for the fellas. And, um, and yes, it's all fellas in my groups. I, we, we welcome women, but we just never have had any join us. Um, but 
I planned this one out and, and it had a beginning, middle and end. So I, I, it had an arc. It had a very definite arc. And while I sort of railroaded the guys a little bit, they were allowed to sandbox if they needed to or wanted to. Um, but I, I actually was telling a story and I had all these different pieces to it. And one of the reasons why it, it, it worked really well and I was able to, to, to keep them willingly on the rails, like they stayed on the rails, but it was their choice to stay on the rails was because it was kind of like a scavenger hunt. There was this thing they were collecting and it was multiple pieces to assemble something and they didn't know what it was, but it would take them to the next stage of the adventure. So that was mm. like the, the 50% mark. Once they discovered all these things and they got to a certain point, they would put them together and it would allow them to move on to the second piece. And I, I called it the seven keys. So there were seven pieces to this key. And once they had the key and they were in the right place, they could, they could activate the thing and go into the next part. And that adventure worked out so well. It was, it was actually really, really engaging. The, the, the team, they enjoyed it so much. They were looking forward to it every week. And, you know, I didn't have it all written out. It wasn't like I wrote a module or wrote a plot point book and then had the guys run it. I had notes, right? But I just had a lot of notes and, you know, and I, and I did free form a lot of stuff. You know, I, like, like I knew they were going to go here and do this thing, but I didn't write everything out. I knew what story I wanted to tell. And as they played, I just, you know, told that story. But I also purposely kept it kind of open-ended because I think one of the things, one of the powerful things you can do in gaming and, and, and no one should ever dig on a DM for this or game master for this is doing some sort of retconning from here and there. So long as it doesn't like change anything, it's like, for example, if you had planned something to go one way, but then you get a better idea as you're going along, you don't have to tell anybody that you got a better idea the ending has just become something else. Nobody even knows you You were moving things around in the background and go, oh, you know what? That's even better. Um, and you listen to your players. When your players come up with really cool ideas, like, oh, I wonder if it's this. You know, Be open to be like, uh, well, it wasn't. You don't say this to them. But you'd be like, it wasn't, but now it is because that's a cooler idea. And it's something that they're going to engage in. So it's good for the players. Exactly, because they think it's cool. They've mentioned it because they thought of it. They think it's cool. It gives them um, – they don't even realize it, but now they have autonomy in, in, in the storytelling. Um, but anyway, so, so that was something that, that went super well, and it just – it was literally just an outline that I, that I played off of. And you know, once I realized where they were going in this outline that I was writing, I'd be like, okay, they're going to go here next. So then I would write up, you know, I'd generate my NPCs and stuff that they were going to deal with. And again, you know, you don't have to write them all out like in, in, in any kind of particular detailed anything. You can just put down notes and, you know, and, and, and just roll with it. Um, it's better when you're not stringent, you know, because I find that when you have something that's completely generated and you leave yourself very little room for you know very little wiggle room that's when you get like tpks and stuff like that and people don't really have as much fun because everything is so rigid and has to follow whatever it is you're doing if you keep it a little loosey-goosey here and there um you can adjust things and keep what i call the stress level uh 
where you intended it to be. If you want this part to be stressful, you can make adjustments as you go along. So anyway, so that, that's what I think makes a really good adventure. It worked for me and my, and my crew and they loved it. Um, I look forward to doing it again, but you know, that does take a bit of prep in the very beginning before you start something down that road. Okay. Who's next? I'll go ahead and jump in on this one. Um, I've got two one two campaigns that were really that I think that were were my best efforts there. And one the early, I'm trying to remember what order these were in the earliest one was the Legends of the, the Legend of the Five Rings game, and it's just running that game for as long as I did, and with that game going on as long as it did, you know, you, you can kind of get the, the feeling that your um, just going along each day by day, and but then you're I'm I'm running the, this one uh, session where at some point along the way they've become uh, imperial magistrates, and their boss is giving them a dressing down about somebody, and and you're all, you're you're normally kind of sitting around a a like coffee table kind of thing any anyway, so everyone's like on 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 the floor and and all and all that kind of thing, and I'm on the the uh, the couch there speaking of that, and I realized that. You know, everybody is a sort of kind of bowing and that like they like their characters would would be. It was just one of those moments where it's like, OK, this is good. <laughs> you know, it's one of those moments where everybody just really gets into it. And it took me just actually taking a moment, stepping outside of the magistrate that was giving them a, a few good words, you know, and um, to, to notice that was going on. Um, and the other game, it's a, it's a, a similar thing, um, was a, uh, back in the early D20 days, um, there was a, uh, adaptation of Farscape and I ran a, a fairly good run of that and just, you know, being able to tie everyone's, I, you know, everyone's character backgrounds together into different things and, uh, bringing on things from the show every once in a while and, you know, and eventually just kind of organically hitting this big conclusion kind of thing was just, it was, I mean, it, I kind of had the idea kind of, of like uh, Peter was talking about as far as having the, you know, stuff kind of lined out kind of, but not entirely. It was, in, I mean, it, it was going to go the way that they all decided to, to, to go. And it worked out so nicely. It's one of the, one of my favorite campaigns that I've that I've run. So those are those are my my two greatest gaming achievements. I think. Great. Who's next? Uh, I can go ahead because mine is fairly simple. Um, but yeah, but definitely my um, high school slash college campaign of Bureau Thirteen. Because um, the way I was running it, it was very easy for me to just swap out characters as as different players could come in and come out um but it was probably one of the the first if not well i won't say only but definitely the first campaign i had that actually had came to a close because we eventually you know i had to graduate college at some point so we eventually had the point where okay let's let's have a story arc and let's reach an ending as opposed to just kind of doing the monster of the week. We, uh, I had been doing for the years up to leading up to that, but we had so much fun. And one of my players who would later become one of my co-owners with handmade games with me, 
um, went off and started his own campaign in the exact same world. So it grew, you know, the campaign world grew and it's, we had so much fun with it that um, actually it's probably next year, uh, some of us are going to get together on uh, online and stream a sort of reunion game of, of these characters 20 years after their retirements for Extra Life. Oh, okay. That sounds great. Awesome. So, yeah, we're going to have fun with that, and I'm going to have fun playing with the fact that, you know, they've all supposedly been retired from active duty for like 20 years, and it's like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have fun. All right. Uh, Trav, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Go first. I, I have a couple I'm trying to break down. So you next, sir. The one that I think was the most successful, you know, and I've run so many campaigns, was the Hardwired Hinterland campaign. And uh, Hardwired Hinterland is was one of Richard's um, dream. You know, it took him forever to come out with this, this game. Uh, and it's basically a place where you, t you accidentally turn left and you end up in this strange world where there's all these square islands and everyone is different. And you go, for, you can go, you know, one to another and it would be each place you go to is going to be completely different than the last place because, you know, the people who want to be there find their way there. And so, you know, they're separated from each other so they don't have you know, they don't get cross-pollinated like you might expect in, in, a, in a normal game world. You know, and the reason why I, I say this one, which is relatively recent compared to all the other ones before, is because at that point I had had, what, 30 years of GM experience? I produced three Bureau 13 supplements and two newsletters, and I'd done all that game design work on D20 Modern and uh, Bureau 13 and Fringeworthy. I, and I'd benefited from all the best in breed ideas that were presented on the uh, Fringeworthy TriTech Games Gaming on the Frontier podcast. So when I ran this thing, I basically, you know, I was, you know, I, I really was a much better GM than I'd started. Okay, so one of the reasons why I'm not picking one early in my campaign, even though I have great love for some of those earlier campaigns, is because I think I did a better job. And I did it because of all the things that went before that. So uh, the reason and the campaign that I ran was one I actually, when we talked about Hardwire Hinterland on the podcast, I said, like, so let's go ahead and everybody submit a, uh, a campaign that could be done for this game. And I was the only one who did. Uh, but that idea, which was to uh, go from uh, island to island, trying to find these pieces, ironic, Peter, that you're mentioning the fact that your favorite one is this is basically the scavenger hunt. That's essentially what this was too, okay? And, and these are totally unrelated, but Peter's never mentioned that before. They had to find these pieces. They found a journal. And in the journal, this guy who's now dead, you know, but he left behind a robot uh, who's watching over the journal and always went where the journal went, you know, had all these things. If, we, if they found all the pieces and put it together, then they would have something awesome. 
and they weren't sure what it would be, but all they knew was is it was just reading the journal how exciting he was about getting all these things done and how he'd set these the, you know, all these things in motion. He'd order these things made and, and other things like that. And all you had to do was show up and collect them. And showing up and collecting them wasn't as easy as just doing that. Right. Yeah. Okay? It wasn't like yeah. going down. You had to go to these islands. You had to find, you know, you had to find these things sometimes. There were, there were, it was, it seemed clear. The guy who wrote it was writing notes to himself. So, of course, he knew exactly where to go, but you had to figure it out. So that was the adventure. So they, they had to go to like collect 12 different things. Um, so here we had a, a campaign where the characters were going to, had very clear goals for every section of the adventure, uh, of the campaign. And they, but every place they went to was completely different than the last place they went to. You know, they were the same their same characters gaining experience. I think we were using D20 Modern for it. Uh, but, you know, each each of these islands, because they were so different, it was like an almost an entirely new game uh, because of that. Um, but the whole point of D20 Modern, you know, in the D20 system was to be able to play any kind of game. And so we were able to, to do that. Uh, so it, the setting was very exotic. It kept the players' interests, uh, but an adventure could have many different aspects. Like one of them, they had to navigate a Russian patronage system in order to get permission to go and, and, and travel across the island to get what they needed. And then when they got there, they ended up finding Yeti who were turning humans into pigs for them to eat. The, the Yeti, that is. Okay. And then... When they finally got to where they were going, there was a murder and they had to solve a murder mystery before they could finally collect the item. So these guys didn't know what to expect next, but they were definitely engaged and I had a great time running it and they had a great time playing it. So that's my favorite. I think that's my most successful uh, campaign that I've run. Scavenger hunt. And I love it that it was you and Blix and just totally unaware that, it, yeah, that was... Well, it's, you know, it's funny, like if you, most of the role or no, I'm sorry, most of the computer games you play that you really like that are adventures that you play. Like for example, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the one where you're, you're, you're the, uh, it's like Indiana Jones, but it's modern. And the, the Tom Holland was in the movie Uncharted. Uncharted. So, yeah. so like, you know, games like Uncharted games, like Tomb Raider games, you know, those kind of games, which are, essentially like a role-playing game in a lot of ways, a role-playing adventure that you, that you would go on. Most of them are, are, are scavenger hunts. Like, you know, they don't yeah. call it that, but that's really kind of what it is. Indiana Jones was a scavenger hunt. Um, you know, not exactly, but, but I mean, close enough, right? You have to go here and get this thing and yeah. then go here and get that yeah. thing. So a lot of times, you know, most of your really good fun adventures, when you, when you boil it down, it's, you know, it's like, Oh crap, that's a, that's basically a scavenger hunt. Um, and I didn't even think of that term when I started running this. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm running a scavenger hunt. But it, it worked, and it was great. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction 
and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.